There's too many homelosers, too many trimmers, but I like to watch them for rotten treasure. Hello, and welcome to the Rotten Treasure podcast. We watched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or it might be Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm not 100% sure on that. I should have looked that up before I started talking. Who cares? We're going to start this episode. I'm the host, Jim O'Donnell. Uh, with me, as always, is the other host, uh, Kai Bobby. I love this fucking bit. It's me, the other host. Hi, everyone. Kai, how are you? I'm, you know, I'm feeling good. Jim, how are you? I'm, I'm good. That's all I had to say about that. Let's Great. let's let's introduce our guest. <laughs> we have our special guest. He's a Michigan native. In Philly, he's made a name for himself as a sardine, a fjordy, an overlooker, a short river, and a scary motherfucker. If you have seen improv in Philly, which let's be honest, you probably haven't, he is the loud, large, old white guy with cat-like agility and way too much energy. He's Philly's and soon-to-be Chicago's improv scene. Paul Hollywood, it's Scott Campbell. <laughs> Hi, Scott. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. You know, it's we're here. We watched a movie, and now we did watch a movie. Yeah. I have to say that I'm very ecstatic that I was asked to do not only this movie, but like I feel like this is like the first good movie you guys have done, right? Like, <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone is a good movie. Oh shit. But, like, as a franchise, whatever, uh, Tremors, I, I won't be honest, I might have made it through maybe half of a Tremor, but, like, you guys are digging into, like, some classics, which is great, until you get to the fourth one, but I don't want to spoil anything for, you know, the other episodes, but I'm stoked, I'm stoked to be here for this, for sure. We're, we're about to release Aladdin this up, like, in the, in whatever real time next week, uh, so I think your comment actually stands up. Jim, I agree. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. This is yeah. this is the first one where, like, the second movie. I haven't seen the fourth one yet, which is I'm excited to do that. But the second movie, I'm okay with, but it's still in Indiana Jones, so I still love it. Like, sure. yeah, instead fine. of being instead of about being nine out of ten, it's like eight out of ten. That's right. how I feel. Gotcha. And I, I guess Aladdin's a good movie too. I didn't know that one. I was just looking through the old one, so I, I wasn't aware. But still, I'm here for it. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Hell yeah. I'll tell you though, a lot in the first one. All right, that one's pretty good. Two, three, and the remake, not good at all. Terrible movies. Don't ever watch them. We don't need to get into it too much, but I live with someone who believes Aladdin three is the best Aladdin movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's Nate, by the way. Yeah, it's Nate. <laughs> Nate, and what's Nate's last name and address? <laughs> Let's get that on the podcast. It's my address too. Let's not put that on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, I, oh! I was looking nope. it up. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, Scott, I, I feel like you touched it a bit, but what's your uh, relationship with the Indiana Jones franchise in general? So I'm a 42-year-old, old-ass man. So I was three when this movie came out, but I grew up watching the movies. Like, the 80s, you know, they're iconic. Harrison Ford, iconic. And uh, I've probably rewatched them tons of times. I obviously have opinions on all four of them. Uh, this one is probably my second favorite. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Last Crusade. I've probably seen that one at least 50 times. And Temple of Doom is great, but like, I'm definitely glad I'm on for this one for sure. But uh, yeah, I love the franchise. I have mixed feelings about them talking about... They were talking about rebooting it before COVID, 
uh, like they were working on scripts and had, were talking to Harrison Ford about things and, you know, who knows um, where that is, will be future state, but um, we'll see. But yeah, that's my relationship with it. I'm a fan. Though it doesn't necessarily hold up the test of time like most 80s movies with some with some topics, but uh, overall, still a great movie. Were they planning on rebooting it with Harrison Ford? Like, or were they hey. going to do like Shia LaBeouf and then also him or something else? No, it wasn't Shia LaBeouf. Harrison was going to be involved, but they were going to get Chris Pratt involved, I'm pretty sure. I think they wanted Chris Pratt to be the next indie um, and kind of ignore the whole thing they did with Shia. Um, but don't quote me on that. I'm just, last I remembered, that's what I thought I heard them talking about. And I don't think anything was finalized. I think they were trying to get it off the ground. Yeah, plus when whenever they talk about movies, it's just going to be like nothing set in stone until the movie comes out. They could change anything at any point. Sure. What's your guys' relationship with this movie? Had either of you seen it before this? Have Jim? Uh, kind of similar to yours in that like I watched it a bunch when I was younger. Uh, I don't think I – I think it was like kind of on in the background always because it's just – a big iconic movie it's great uh and then all three of all three of the ones that i've seen and then when i was a teenager i was like let me actually sit down and watch these and then i love them even more and i think i think you're right where the my favorite's the third one i think that one's the best one because it like explores relationships with his father and his backstory and everything but it wouldn't exist without this one right yeah 100 percent. just like improv like the best shit is always when you dive into those relationships 100 percent well, I mean, especially if there's daddy issues. Am I right? Sure. Shameless, shameless improv plug. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just that also, like, come on. It's in the third Aladdin movie, too, daddy issues. Daddy issues is just in every movie. It's mandatory for every character to be a protagonist. I think you have to have a complex relationship with your father. It's a rule. little connection between the third Aladdin movie and these movies. Uh, his dad is played by John Rhys Davey, who plays uh, Sala in this movie. Shut up. No way. Mm-hmm. Did not know. Because I haven't seen the third Aladdin movie. <laughs> uh, the champ who sh- who shit himself on set, unfortunately. I did know that, actually. That was something... He had, like, dysentery? Uh, the, the set got food poisoning, I believe. Like, the reason... That whole shot... Or that scene where Indiana Jones shoots that... Basically, Jafar uh, guy. <laughs> sure. Uh... He just no. <laughs> he didn't look like Jafar to me. He just looked. He looked like a big guy with a sword to me. Because he was wearing all black, he was clearly Jafar. <laughs> this is that whole scene was just. I was screaming at my TV. I was like, "This is Aladdin. This is Aladdin. This is Aladdin." Because there's a little Abu, uh, and there's just like the little town. It was just like there's. It's just like a there's fruit. There's a stand for this. There's baskets. It's just like. They did a like a very minimal like someone's like I think that's what it's gonna look like and they did such a sim like a simple like version of it. Uh, yeah, that was not Cairo at all. And what about the smartest monkey alive? Right, that monkey is the most well trained monkey, yet the stupidest fucking monkey that ever existed because he just like eats that poison. You can train this monkey to basically spy for you. Come tell you when specific people are doing specific things, but you can't train the same monkey to not eat fucking poison. He only knows two things. He knows spying and he knows how to heil Hitler because he does that at one point. Right. Yeah. You got to get that monkey to heil Hitler. 
No, I'm just kidding. I, I was curious, though, because I was like, well, this is supposed to be Cairo in the 30s. So I looked up pictures of Cairo in the 30s. They did a pretty good job, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it kind of looked like that at in that at that point in time. Yeah. Interesting. That's... Now it doesn't, but and so people are like, that's what Cairo looks like all the time. But they pretty they nailed it for its time period. Good for them. I just assumed that they didn't, because it all yeah, that's just my ignorance, I guess. Oh, so that scene where Indiana Jones is like shooting that guy, um, yeah, like he suggested that because he was like sick and they had done a bunch a bunch of shots where he was supposed to try to whip uh that like the that, that guy and like get the like the sword out of his hand right so eventually harrison ford's just right. like can we just i'll just shoot him can i just not have to do this anymore <laughs> but that's such a great character choice and it's so like true to the character a hundred percent and it's honestly like one of the more iconic scenes of his right like yeah fuck it i'm just gonna shoot this guy so i've you asked uh i've never seen this this is like I mean like this is I'm sure in the background like my dad may have had it on when I was a kid while I was playing but like this isn't like something that I've ever really like sat down and watched as an adult so this was this was, this is very interesting this was what an experience I was yelling at my TV a lot oh so that's probably where the Jafar reference came from right you were probably watching Aladdin as a child you saw Jafar your dad was then watching a movie you're watching the background and then you're just like oh it's Jafar again no it's just I've been editing episodes on Aladdin like <laughs> uh, for this podcast. And like, I'm just like, all right, monkey, little tiny, like market time. Uh, once again, way too many people doing laundry for some reason. So much laundry. So much laundry. Everybody gets a basket of laundry. <laughs> I, I did. all. I like that. They're all doing it on the same street as well. Yeah. And they all had the exact same basket. Yeah. I don't know. It's such slapstick comedy, too. Very similar. So, like, I don't know why. I'm just I, I just came off of watching Aladdin. So I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this oh. scene is totally a ripoff. There was a very funny slapstick moment that I was like, huh, forgot about that part. Oh, the part where uh, he, uh, they're on the boat and he's like being treated for his wounds and she goes to like flip over a uh, a mirror and it smacks him in the face. It, it's just classic three stooges slapstick not only do th does it slap him in the face but he he yelps like this insane yell that they make you believe like they show they they pan out so you see the boat you're yelling, yelling. <laughs> and then they pan back really quick to inside and she's like oh did you say something like what he like how <laughs> he literally just screamed murder and you're like oh what did you say i don't know but uh yeah there were so many yeah there's so many moments like that in this in these in this franchise period uh how do you guys feel about the idol versus the bag of sand to even even as a child that always bugged me uh because it like i always knew that gold maybe the, i was just a nerdy kid but i always knew metal was way heavier than any bag of sand he could ever hold on him right but he he weighs that sand out like he's gonna perfectly get that trap in the very beginning of the movie, and it's an iconic scene. Like the that opening sequence is amazing. I like I love it. There's so many things I could go. I could talk just about the opening sequence for the next two hours. But the idol alone, <laughs> and just weighing the bag, always like he's supposed to be a professor at a big university and an archaeologist. And he's just going to weigh out this little bag of sand and pray that it equals the same weight. I don't know. He just, I, I think the thing that always bothered me was it's supposed to be 
weight activated. So he switches them. Would the people who made this temple have known if it was lighter that it would go down, that the uh, the trigger would go down? I would assume that if they like put a heavier thing on there, it would just go down. Right. But I, I, I have no idea. I, do they know how that kind of stuff works? And also... Who? What? Uh, uh, <laughs> Are you okay, Jim? <laughs> this part bothered me too. Uh, <laughs> well, I love that he. I love that he took like sand out. He's like, nope, definitely take out just a handful of sand and perfect. You know, like, oh my god. And then it turned like, out to be useless because it goes down anyway. But that iconic, and I love it. That scene, he there's one thing that made me mad, and I was upset, and it's when the boulder starts to roll down. He could have just hung back, and the boulder could have gone over, like in front of him. So that really, no one else, no, no, no. yes, I people argue about this. I want an extended scene where I get to just watch for four days the people that handcrafted this stone to be the most perfect circle <laughs> that ever existed. I mean, again, it's great, it's iconic, it's rolling stone, like, love it, but man. And another thing that also bugs me about the opening sequence, because I opened that can, at the beginning of the movie they talk about, like, oh, they've been tra- they've been tracking us for days. So they've been tracking us for days, yet the, his pilot friend, who we don't know anything about, happens to be literally minutes away, and he knows exactly when to be there. And he's in no trouble whatsoever. He's just reading his fucking paper with his boa constrictor in his plane, chilling. No danger. Like, he's fine. Well, no, it's his, it's his plane snake. Everyone's right. got a plane snake. Everyone you know, a... like pilots have. Right. Well, it's the original. It's the original motherfucking snake on a motherfucking plane. <laughs> it was such a shoehorned in way to like show that Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes, and like that's the point where we're supposed to show it because, like five minutes earlier, they show him covered in spiders, and he's like, "Oh, spiders, whatever. I'm brave. I'm the bravest man alive." And then he gets in a snake. He's like, "Oh my god, a snake! Whoa, okay, that's my weakness." And then later on in the movie, he gets in a room full of snakes because, you know. Well, that's how movies work. I've come to learn, not real snakes. A lot of them are just lizards without arms or appendages. What? I assume what? that a lot of them. Rewind. What did you say? Say that one more time. This, they're not. There's lizards. I'm. They're not. Some of them aren't snakes in that pit. I'm not kidding. This is a fact, and only because a website said it. So. <laughs> Which website? <laughs> All right, I'll double check to make sure, but. I believe that is one of the things. Uh, that whole scene, some of it is actually hoses, and some of it yeah. is lizards. I assumed that most of them are hoses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I believe it. And it's the same robotic cobra, too, because it does the same exact thing when Marion falls into the pit that when he falls into the pit. Like, the, beha- like the snake's in the same exact place, and it does the same exact thing. Uh, I think I'm an idiot, because I was like, wow, they got that cobra really well trained. <laughs> I mean, maybe... <laughs> Possible. <laughs> sometimes i like see through movies and i'm just like yeah that's clearly a robot and then sometimes i'm just an idiot where i'm like wow movie magic yeah i mean he really did that he, he's just really good at staring contests like he's just like no <laughs> maybe snakes don't like eye contact i don't know is that a thing <laughs> i've never been attacked by a snake i don't know what to do well if i know anything about snakes is that if you look into their eyes they can hypnotize you Oh, great. Uh, That's a great great Jungle Book callback. callback. (laughs) Uh, Also, great movie. Also, very problematic. Doesn't hold the test of time. 
But man, I love that. I love that cartoon. It was probably my favorite Disney movie until I was adult. And then I was like, oh, there's a lot of issues that are problematic here. But anyway. Every single Disney movie, though? Right. Did, yeah. any, did any Disney movie get away with being 100% flawless? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, speaking of Aladdin earlier, did you guys, and I don't know uh, if you guys talked about this already in your Aladdin podcast, I don't want to rehash for all your listeners, but did you go into the all good kitties take off their clothes? Oh, no, we didn't talk about talk that. About that. that is bonus, bonus Aladdin content, everyone. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot listen, about that. Yeah, three episodes. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. Like, as a high schooler, I was obsessed. Because Aladdin came out when I was in high school. And all me and my friends were just obsessed with that, rewinding it and playing that all over and over. Just to li- like, you would lean in and you would listen. Like, did you hear it? Did you hear it? Did you hear it? And it's just that, you know, there's that part where Aladdin's going into Jasmine's Tower and this is, I'm just, I think you guys know this, but I'm just saying it for the listeners. If you, uh, if you're watching Aladdin, there's a part where Aladdin goes to see Jasmine. He has the flying carpets right before the iconic song and the, the tiger, I'm really bad with names, uh, the pet, right, uh, corners Aladdin and he says, good kitty. And if you listen to that very carefully, and they probably have edited it out since then because there's been like, I think, I don't know if there's lawsuits, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, hype about it and controversy about it but on the original vhs you could hear all good kitties take off their clothes and like if you listen very hard you could hear them say that and it's like it was the funniest thing obviously when you're in high school to be like oh they dropped that in a movie oh you kidding me absolutely that's the best it's yeah it's one of the i i remember hearing it it was like he actually says something like go over there or something like that but because of the way because he whispers it in such a way it sounds like that mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it's just it's one of those like disney things it's not like did you ever hear about in i think it's the rescuers or the rescuers down on your down under where there's like three frames of a uh topless woman that's amazing i have not heard of that like an actual photo of a topless woman and you could look it up that was a thing that happened and they were like uh oh no what have we done I know on I know on the original art of the Little Mermaid, like Ursula's castle in the background, one of the towers was shaped like a penis. Also great. Yeah, that was one of those things where they they were just really naive about it, where they were like, "Let's make this penis-looking tower. That's <laughs> that'll be fine." And then everyone was like, "It looks like a penis." And then Disney had to be like, "Oh shit, it does look like a penis." Oh. If you look hard enough, there's a there's a penis in every movie. So true. Uh, the thing that the uh, was like in the script was it was supposed to be come on good kitty take off and go. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. I don't I, know. I do remember reading about that when I was in middle school because there was like uh, w- when I got to middle school there was like a website that had like all the all the dirty things that were in Disney movies, which is the first time I heard about like Song of the South and like Lion King. It's saying. It says SFX, but it's everyone was like, it says sex in the sky that one time. Right. That's back when the internet was pure, right? I mean, it, it was always trash, but like, I mean, th- I'm just joking, but like the, the abort <laughs> rates. I was like, I used to get weird emails, man. I used to no, get no. weird emails. <laughs> I'm, I was just joking about it being pure, but like back then, like sites like those would exist. Like all the dirty Disney things or like people's Yahoo pages that would have the most absurd, like, I don't know. Anyway. Like, uh. uh uh, the guy who sued uh, Borat. Oh, I, I can't remember his name. You can do it. 
there was a there was a guy who he had this website and it's an amazing website and it's just him he's trying to make like a it's it's a it's his own website he learned html to make this so he can make like a dating site for himself where he's just like it's it's me but he's oh wait are you talking about the hello my future girlfriend kid no 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 this is the guy that's like i like ping pong and it's a picture of him in really short shorts playing ping pong with a mustache i hope it's just an endless amount of accounts like generated just to be like no 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 right swipe left (laughs) which one of me do you want no this is just one guy showing off himself and he just doesn't quite have a full grasp of the english uh uh language (laughs) but it's so funny the things he points out about himself that he wants women to date him. I think it's called like Kiss Me or something like that. All right, I'll have to check that out. So wait, you're saying that Borat? Did he see Borat because like Borat stole things from him, or was inspired by that? Yeah, he thought that Borat was based off of him, and I think that Sasha Baron Cohen was like, "Uh, we made Borat. We made the character before that website came to be. Right. Or something along those lines." Man, Sasha Baron Cohen's the fucking best. He's the goat. Did you see the new uh, Bormat? Uh, Bormat. Yeah, I saw, I saw the new Bormat and the new Borat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great, right? Like, he's flawless. And it's so insane that 20 years later, he not 20 years, however many years it's been. Uh, Feels like he, 100. Right, he can do the same thing and still get away with it because people are that oblivious. Uh, I, I feel like they needed to do they did more writing because they had to because he could only, there's only so much more I can get away with but because I watched that I rewatched the first one and to this day it's still so uncomfortable and insane like for its time like it's it's ridiculous I don't know it's it's just so good it's just so so good I I also watched rewatched it like right I literally watched the uh the first movie and then watch the second movie right after. And um, I liked the second one as a movie more. Mm-hmm. Like the first one was a little, it was funnier. It had more classic moments in it. But sure. the second one, they it felt like they actually focused on making it a real movie. Whereas yeah. the first one, they're like, uh, what if we uh, we have all these bits? How do we connect them all? One of the writers in the original movie was uh, uh, Seth Rogen because he worked on Ali G. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. After undeclared and uh freaks and geeks i think he was on undeclared anyway after he was on those shows both those shows bailed after a year and he was like oh god i gotta find i gotta find work well and i become a writer and he wrote for uh ali g oh weird and they worked for all the movies too ali g is so like yeah the, in the whole series like i always tell people all the time like to go back and watch the ali g series whether it's what was on hbo or the bbc like it's so it's just so good like his commitment, just Sacha Baron Cohen, uh, man, we're going on so many tangents away from Bruce <laughs> yeah, Stark, but probably fine, yeah. I, to this day, am furious still that he walked away from the Queen movie, right? He was supposed to be, he was supposed to be Freddie Mercury, and he wanted to do a movie that was true to Freddie Mercury, that dealt with, like, his asshole side, his ego, it dealt with the, his uh, fight with AIDS, and, like, all of that stuff and the band refused to have any of that stuff in it. They just wanted what they put out, like the fake, like that movie about queen is so much bullshit because like, it's half true. Like, is it a good movie? Sure. If you're watch, if you want to watch, if queen was not a band 
like take if that movie was about like almost famous right where like they made a fictionalized version of things that happened in real life and named it fiction i'd be okay with the queen movie but like they tried to put that movie out as facts and it's it's not it's not factual whatsoever there's so many things that you can just look up that are not real about what happened in that like i feel like the movie that sasha baron cohen would have made would have been so true to freddy and like so good it would have been so good it's like the queen movie that like because i fucking love queen it's the movie like we i felt like yeah it, we deserve and it would have ended up making yeah it would have won oscars for sure just like the other one did or whatever but it wouldn't have been like the fake bullshit that they put out a couple years ago anyways guys i have opinions sometimes and i get heated so no, <laughs> have them but i completely agree with this opinion because i also watched it was like this is such horse this is like this was written by the band members of queen a hundred percent it was made like brian it, it's such a fluffer piece and like sasha had a falling out with them because they refused to have anything like i guess quote-unquote controversial or like anything like true they wanted for, like, him to die halfway through the movie and they were like and then the second half of the movie will be us continuing on and sasha baron cohen was like you guys aren't interesting after he died oh wow like no one gives a shit about adam lambert like no one cares about adam lambert queen i'm sorry i guess (laughs) they tore with adam lambert (laughs) adam lambert great performer very talented great singer like amazing i didn't even know that happened uh but no he he tours with them still like Queen is now a queen with Adam Lambert. I did not know this. Yeah. Wow. He's fine. Yeah, no, he yeah, no, he's talented. He's a good artist. Like, but is he Freddie Mercury? Absolutely not. And do we want to see? Yeah, I don't know. It's... I I felt very similarly about. I went and I see the out that you know. Have you seen that Elton John John? Uh, yes. I'm, I'm, I've lived in Philly. I can't bring myself long enough to but... say the word John, right? You know that Elton John John. I know, I know. How do you feel about it? Uh, it also was very much so, like, the dude's alive. He's going to make sure that the movie paints him in a good light. Like, he obviously was admittedly more of a dick than sure. they let him portray as. You know, like, his redemption arc of just, like, and then I worked hard to be a better person and everything was fine. It's like, no, you were just, a, you were still a dick for <laughs> a little longer. Yeah, I've been, I've been really struggling to bring myself to watch that because I knew he was involved because I... Like, I don't have a lot in common with my mom, but she, like, I her taste in music is great, right? So, like, I grew up listening to, like, the, the Beatles and Elton John, Zeppelin, all that stuff. Like, I love Elton John. Like, I've seen him several times. Um, He's so good. Like, he's so amazing. He's, and, my, like, first, he's my first concert. Eight awesome. years old. My parents took me to go see Elton John. That's amazing. Uh, I'll one-up you. Yes. Please do. Uh... Are you Elton John? Are you Elton John? I am Elton John. No, uh, I always feel like a dick when I say this to people because like I feel very spoiled. But also like bragging about this now isn't as um cool as it would be had like certain. And when I get there, you'll understand. My first concert, I was five years old, and I got to see Michael Jackson on the 1984 Victory Tour, where the first part of the show was the Jackson Five, and the second part of the show was him basically doing Thriller. And, like, to this day, I remember being in the Silver Dome in Detroit with 83,000 people or whatever. Just, like, and it was loud, and it was insane, and I remember all of that. And it was just such an awesome experience. Like, I was obsessed with Michael. Like, Thriller to this day is the best pop album of all time. I'll die on that hill. Um, 
front to back there's like maybe one song that's like eh okay the rest of the songs are all slap it's all they're all it's such a great album is he a monster and a piece of shit? hundred <laughs> percent. We could have a whole other. We could have a whole other show about separating art from the artist. And I still and I still struggle. Like I really struggle with that with Michael. Like I made my mom take me to breakdance lessons. I, I my first record was Thriller. I remember all that shit. And that concert honestly changed my life. Like I've been obsessed with live music my entire life, and I really contribute that to seeing that show when I was that young. And it was that iconic. Like I've probably been to like almost 500 concerts and like, yeah, it all, and it all started with that, but yeah, Elton is great. I'm glad that was your first show. I'm not sure like how that's influenced your taste in music. I'm curious to see how, uh, what your response is to that, but like Elton's fucking great. And because of that, I've hesitated to watch the movie because I don't want to taint my image of like the, 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 the pedestal I hold him on. Mm-hmm. As a kid, all I really remember is being fucking amped when the Lion King shit came on. Uh, I was like, I know this one! Um, but I remember also, uh, I got to say bitch because it was part of a song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I That's probably why I'm queer. It's Elton John's fault. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Little eight-year-old me. Oh shit, put that, uh, yeah, we gotta put that warning on the label. Every every Christian I know has wanted to been he- hear that for years. God damn it! You guys heard it here first. Elton John makes people queer. <laughs> Do not listen to Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> uh, after I went and saw Elton John, not like directly right afterwards when I was eight, but my next concert was Corn, logically. Oh, uh, you know that you know the steps. <laughs> yeah, or it was Corn Trust Company, and uh, did, when did you see when did you see Corn? Uh, I was in high school, so this is like two thousand and four, two thousand five. Okay, here's I can't believe I'm admitting this on a podcast. I was a ving a very angry nineteen year old, um, and I was when Corn when the their first song came out. I was all about it. I was so angry at everything in my life. And like, <laughs> I could just relate to them yelling and being vulnerable and like just hating everything. And so from ages 18 to 24, which was probably like right when Kai saw them for the first time, I saw Korn 13 times. Whoa. I've seen Korn way too much. I have way too many. And I'm so embarrassed. I would not listen to them now. Like, like I listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just make you snort? Yeah, got you snort. <laughs> I can't imagine seeing my absolute favorite band seeing them more than once in one year. Oh my god. Well, I mean, that, this was over a period of like five or six years. I saw them like thirteen times, right? Because they came out with a whole bunch of albums. Like from '97 to 2005, they like they brought out like four albums and then toured nonstop. So yeah, I've seen them way too many times. In, in the they don't. The, John Davis is a piece of shit, which sucks. Like, a lot of them have turned to God, and I'm not a fan of that. And, like, <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing. But, like, it's it was a part of my life. I don't regret it. I love that shit. How, so, were, Kai, were you the kind of person that were in this, was in the stands for a corn show, or were you in the pit? Were you in the middle of it? Wait, I'm sorry, one more time. What did you say? At a corn show. Are you in the stands watching the show? Or are you in Are you in the pit, just getting rowdy in high school? All right, I'm gonna answer your question, but first I want to pull back real quick in case God is listening. God, 
he might want to be on our Patreon. Uh, sure. Please just know that we're not anti you. We just have a complex relationship with you as a podcast. Is that fair, Jim? Oh, yeah, I definitely do, too. <laughs> All right. But also DM us, Scott, if you want to talk to us about it. And we'd love to get you on our Patreon. By the way, we have a Patreon. Uh, so we, we're not of, doing an ad in the middle of our show. <laughs> cut the part out where I said, by the way, we have Patreon. By the way, we have Patreon. Let's throw a time in. Uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not a pit kid. So I was uh, oh. a poser of every. So as as a as I've come to realize um, it's fun realizing this now as a little non-binary chaos ball that I am is it's fun. I had a lot of time playing dress up. I tried on many dudes and not a pit kid. I used to go to bomb sh- the, this thing called was the bomb shelter. It was just like this crappy warehouse show that where like kids would just literally beat the crap out of each other regularly. And I'm just like, I'd go and kind of like nudge around the circle sure. and be like, oh, I'm kind of involved. And then as soon as I get lightly hit, I'm like, guys, we got to get out of here. We need to leave. <laughs> we need to leave right now. Everyone come with me, band together, grab my arm. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, I was a, I was a pit kid. Oh. But I, I used to go to a lot of hardcore punk shows in Philly when I was like 14. Oh, and no. I was a nice, <laughs> real big into uh, just jumping into the crowd and just pushing everyone around, get punched in the face. And then you're just like, I got a bloody nose, mom. And see- then she drives me home. So I'm super, super, super jealous. Can you, yeah, Jim, tell me about that a little bit, because like as someone who basically had a couple small venues in a southwest Michigan town, that's 200,000 people like you were super spoiled that you had like I'm assuming you went to like the punk houses in West Philly to see a lot of these shows. No, I was I was too young because uh, gotcha. I would have stopped going. I would have stopped going when I was like 16. Gotcha. So I didn't even have a car at that point. I my mom had to drive me. The Philly shows I always went to were was at the Trackadere. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's always how I went. And even those shows aren't that rowdy. Um, it, it was the shows that were more rowdy were like places in Jersey that were in a very small room, like a basement type show. Sure. Yeah. Which is where you get it's where you get the best hardcore stuff. The dirtiest hardcore death metal. <laughs> you, get, you get some awesome <laughs> hardcore stuff. And then once in a while, some bad that's awful and you're like and everyone's enjoying it, and i'm like why are you enjoying these guys oh i now know what goth music is so i would say the closest i ever got to being in a pit was when i was i, I tried on ska as well for a while that was a fun <laughs> identity i tried ska as a lifestyle uh it was not for me i skanked i think is what it's called right mm-hmm. that- yeah sure i yeah. was a ska kid for a bit they I- 2008 was a time where we wanted all different kinds of music to yeah. join together mm-hmm. at the Trocadera. <laughs> uh, speaking of pits, let's talk about how um, how easily the pit the Indiana Jones fell into. Th- these monument statues could just f- fall apart. Like, So him and Marion are trapped in this room with snakes. It's dark. First of all, they show the torch going out. What light is left, and why do we see light? Like, don't lie about it. Just say that. Don't say the torch is out. Like, how are they seeing otherwise? <laughs> Second of all, the pushing over that statue, the Egyptians literally spent thousands of years putting together these very structurally sound things, like this building that you're in now, Indiana Jones. But yet, you can climb to the top of this raw statue and just kick it over 
Like, yeah. oh, I noticed this crack and it's gonna fall. It's a display at a Toys R Us, basically. It's right. not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> oh, I would have thought uh, the complete opposite, where it was thousands of years old. So it's like, oh, this is so structurally weak. After a thousand oh, years, oh. it's only been standing because there's no wind in the pit. Yeah, but it felt like IKEA cl- like shelving. Like it was fucking just like, all right, I'm done. Like, well, not only that, but like it swayed. Like it's, it was rocking. It would have just fell, right? But nope, he could rock it back and forth like it was a fucking tree. Uh, but it was a solid statue. I mean, and they have to get out. I get it. It is what it is. But I just feel like they could have even then done a little bit better. Thought it more like if they can get Cairo right in 1930, I think you can like figure out the physics of how to get this statue down. I don't know. Them getting out of there was such, like, bullshit, because as soon as they busted through that wall, what, they walked through, like, one room, and then they, like, went through this uh, little tiny, uh, like, they pushed their way out by moving a brick like they were playing uh, fucking uh, Jumanji. No, it's not Jumanji. What's the game I'm thinking of? (laughs) Tetris? Wait, Kai, how many times do you play Jumanji? And you survive every time. Jenga, uh, like they're like they're playing Jenga. They just push up. Wait, <laughs> so you you literally just confused Jenga with Jumanji. Let give me a movie where Robin Williams is just fucking playing Jenga with his kids for two hours. That's the movie that I want to see. <laughs> but no, did you see? They like pushed it out, and it was like the loosest little like Jenga piece. Like it no, was just no, like, we're out of danger. And apparently, that was the easiest way to get to some place that was so fucking hard to find. Apparently, there's a back door that's just a boop. Push a little brick <laughs> within within view of the Nazis too, which was something that I thought was pretty funny. Where they just push it out, and then they're just like, oh, that's where we need to be. There's the that plane that we need to get to. <laughs> Speaking of that, I will give them props for that piece of writing, right? Because, like, you think – sometimes you think to yourself, like, why wouldn't they notice this? Why wouldn't they do this in the movie? And they do it just for the sake of it being in the movie. But for them to, like – you know, there's the scene with – like, we can talk about Marion and her drinking. And the her her ability to drink is great, right? But uh, how fast everyone sobers up. But when they cut to, like, the morning after them drinking all night, which there's a huge time jump there – like, I want to know what happened in that time frame between them drinking, the German guy walking in, and them finding the excavation. But it's the crack of dawn, right? And they see these other excavators digging. And they're like, oh, this isn't normal. Why are they over there digging? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like the first time in a very slapsticky movie, or like, you know, they make jumps and moves a lot of time in movies to make things make sense. But like, that's the first time that you're like, yeah, no shit. They should get caught. This should happen. And I guess for a movie in the 80s, or just a movie in general, it's refreshing for that kind of shit to happen. Like, yeah, they're doing the stupid thing. They're going to get caught. And uh, I guess doing the stupid thing, you get caught, that happens a lot. But I feel like in this sen- in this instance, it made a lot more sense for me anyway. As a first-time viewer, it was really fun to yell at my TV because it was countless things that didn't make any sense that are completely stupid. You're just like, there's no reason why this entire village of people who has all this weaponry and all these spears can't shoot this one, like, collectively, as a giant group, can't spear or kill this one man from, like, 20 feet away. Uh, there are countless times where I'm like, Indiana Jones should have died. Oh, I'm I'm always fine with that kind of stuff because it's just like, oh, whatever, he can get away, like. He's not supposed to die. He's not supposed to die five minutes into the movie, and then it's all about yeah. Marion getting kidnapped by uh, Nazis again. 
Uh, the thing about this movie, though, is that it does have a lot of those little inconsistencies in it where, like, I, I like I don't know how Sala gets away from the Nazis. He just kind of shows up and then they're just like, oh, Sala, you're here. And he's like, I'll help you out of here uh, at one point. And I'm like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Because it, it just doesn't mess with the uh, the whole rhythm of the, the whole pacing of the movie. Yeah, I like to think that Sala talks his way out of it because, like, Sala's supposed to be like the best excavator in Cairo. So like, it's not unexpected that he's there. Right. right. He, he could very easily, I feel like in my head, he talked his way out of that or like, um, for some people he could talk his way out of it, but when he did want to talk his way out of it, because like to some Nazi fucking scum, he could just play the, like, Oh, I'm just the local guy. I'm just going to play the part because you have no idea who I am. So he could be who he is when he wants to be. And he could play it down because Nazis are fucking Nazis to get away with what he had to get with. That's how I justify it in my head when I couldn't see it on screen anyway. Which is why I didn't care. Like, right. I was just like, oh yeah, he he got out of it. Right. I don't I don't care how he got out of it. He's just. Here's my favorite thing about Sala. What if you're <laughs> Sala sending in your ten children to a room full of men with guns? Oh yeah. Ready to kill Indiana Jones. He's willing to murder his ten children to save a man. Go, go be a shield yeah. for Indiana Jones. For those of you who haven't seen this movie, yes, just just inside of this building, surrounded by uh, other people with a heavy semi-automatic weapons. Uh, yeah, children, just come in and just pretend to be, or just a shield, just a human shield for this man that they don't know <laughs> very well at all, and they're fine. They're like, they're like, they have the energy of like, yeah, then we're gonna go have like kickball afterwards. Like this is fine. <laughs> and then the Nazis are all like. Well, you get away with it this time, Indiana Jones. Can't shoot for the kids. <laughs> I'm afraid of shooting children, which uh, historically is not accurate. <laughs> Yikes. But also, if you haven't seen this movie and you're watching this, great. I'm glad you're supporting this. But fucking watch this movie. Like, there's no reason for you not to watch this. A hundred percent. By the way, Sala, I am assuming... Uh, the scene that showed him escaping was most likely the scene which was cut out, which was the one where he shit his pants on set. That's my guess. Yeah. If oh, yeah. he had food poison, they probably cut that scene. They're like, all right, well, fuck this. I guess just who cares? <laughs> or, or maybe just like it. Not that wasn't why they cut it, but it probably just got cut because that shit happens all the time in movies where you're just like, there's some reference to like, oh yeah, just like that inside joke from earlier, and they're like, there wasn't an inside joke from earlier. I was just going to say, it's the pacing of the movie. They, it, the pace yeah. of the movie is so rock solid uh, because they they trim a bunch of scenes that technically don't really matter. No, 100%. And, like, to the, I have a couple points. One, to the pacing of the movie, like, an hour in, I had to pause it for some reason. And I was like, oh, shit, there's still an hour to go. Like, wait, we're, we're, we're like, he's already in Cairo. Like, we're he's already got the arc. What? How could this possibly go... I don't remember it dragging this long. And then I start the movie and I finish it. And I was like, holy shit, where'd the other hour go? Like, you're right. The pacing mm-hmm. is impeccable. It flies by. Right. The second, the solid point, one of my favorite moments that probably people don't ever talk about in this movie. One of my favorite parts of this movie is when Sala escorts Indy and Marion to the boat. And Sala and Marion have this moment the goodbye and it's very simple and it's very sweet but it's a very to me it's a very powerful moment where marion thanks him uh because she's been through the ringer and no one gives a shit about her but yet still she takes the time to thank sala and she kisses him 
And if you watch it on screen, there's clear chemistry. Like, you know you, how you watch, like, <laughs> some movies, like, and there's clear chemistry, right? Like, everyone to this day still talks about, like, Brad Angelino on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, oh, you can tell there's something there. And, like, that's, like, when people talked about, like, uh, Bradley Cooper and uh, Gaga in that fucking shitty remake. Like, there's, <laughs> and, and then they hypothesize about how he's cheating because they clearly, as actors, had chemistry. Like, oh, you like it's very obvious like and it's the same thing with like performing on stage like there's some people you perform with and it's acting and like you can tell it's a scene or there's some people that you can that are doing it and you're like oh this i believe it in this moment i believe it's real and to capture that on film is even harder and so for that for salah and marion to have this moment where i believe there like there's this connection there just even for this glimpse and then to see him get to react to that, I don't know. It's it's just such a beautiful part of the movie. It's only 30 seconds, but out of a two-hour movie that flies super fast, it's like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's like a slowdown, like a tiny sl- – like even – the movie is just a lot of slices. This is the one of life, like the biggest one of life. It's just this beautiful right. little slowdown yeah. moment at the end. And there's nothing sexual about it. Like, I mean, there is in the sense that like she's a woman, he's a man, and he's excited that a beautiful woman or young lady in this case who's – 27 i guess is kissing him but yeah i don't know i think it's it's just one of my favorite it, it is one of my favorite parts of the movie yeah it's like a it's a beautiful little moment i i i, I love it too it, it is one of those it, it's one of those things that if this movie was made now they probably would have been able to have after seeing the chemistry of the actors they probably would have been like oh these two should have like end up together not indie and uh Marion, who they have. Salah should leave his wife, the mother of his ten children, that he will throw in front of Nazi bullets to run away with Marion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually am. So this is a, a fact I know. I'm bummed that one of the people that was gonna play Indiana Jones or one of the people they were considering was Bill Murray. I know we want to talk about how it was oh. Tom Tom Selleck. We'll get there maybe. But right now I'm thinking, oh, that makes sense because, uh. The, like uh, the actor that played Marion, she also was uh, like in Scrooged with Bill Murray, that fucking Christmas Carol take. Um, many years later, though. Yeah, no, it was many because uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was made in '81. Scrooge came out like maybe ten years later. Well, I guess, they got, I guess yeah. they got to work together eventually, anyways. But I knew I knew her from something, and that's like the thing I know her from, because um, it was driving me nuts that I was like, I don't know how I know this person. Oh, you mean it wasn't Indiana Jones and the Legend of the Crystal Skull? It wasn't Starman? <laughs> I don't know, but I just didn't – I didn't see much chemistry as much as I – if you watch Scrooge, they have great chemistry in that movie. Um, so yeah, I did not have great chemistry with, with Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Yeah, that's fair. But also, I don't expect there to be a lot of chem- – like, I don't think there's a lot of I, – that, to me, played well because of – like I said, we don't have to get into this a lot – but the chemistry that Indiana should have with Marion shouldn't be a ton, right? Because technically their relationship was, she was very young. He was an older man. And now like they've grown 10 years further apart. So like, I'm, I'm okay with like, there not being that much, but maybe a little bit of something like maybe there's like that lust connection, but not necessarily like a soulmate type of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I think, yeah, it is. It is supposed to be because like she's not in the third movie because 
believably she's just like yeah they, i'm out of here i don't uh, turns out what happened 10 years ago happened again so we're done spoiler alert by the way for oh yeah spoiler <laughs> <laughs> marion's not in the third movie <laughs> bum, 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 facts you know <laughs> and i haven't seen the fourth one and i did see that she is in the fourth one and i don't know how that works out but yeah no she's only in the first and the fourth and uh i'll just let you watch it yeah it makes sense uh, she's not in the second because that's a prequel do you do you think okay so the, i don't know why i'm thinking about this but they they brought back Karate Kid into a TV show with Cobra Kai. Do you think they could pull off a TV show? Don't get me started. With Indiana yeah. Jones? They were going to. They were going yeah. to? Go ahead, Jim. I, I don't know anything about it. Uh, I I remember I watched maybe like two or three episodes as a kid. There's There was a show, Young Indiana Jones, though. Right. There was supposed to be, There is a show, Young Indiana Jones, but um, when they did the third movie, the opening sequence with River Phoenix was so popular like basically they're like oh shit we could do a whole franchise just on young Indiana jones and so then they tried it and then it kind of fizzled out especially after river died because i don't think i can't remember i'd have to look it up i thought river was going to be involved with it um but yeah it was supposed to be a thing but yeah they totally could have done that it would have been great i think every single series we've done thus far has tried to make a tv show actually i think that's 100 percent true home alone i believe they did it tremors they did it Yep. Aladdin, they did it. Yep. And it's all all failed, right? It's just like it's re- really hard to make. Aladdin was uh, on for a couple of years. Oh, really? So it was Young Indiana Jones. It had like, let's see how many episodes. I guess I guess we don't. You know what? A lot of great shows. Lot, there's great shows that have two seasons. There's terrible shows that have ten seasons. I remember liking it, but I also saw it when I was like seven, so I don't have much. Yeah, I don't remember much about it at all. What were we talking about right before Young Indiana Jones? Because my brain went there and now I forgot completely. I got ADHD over we here. We were talking so about chemistry between actors. No, no, but like right before Young. Did you want to talk about Tom Tom Selleck? Is that what it was? <laughs> nope. It was literally whatever we were talking about right before River Phoenix. It wasn't talking about three men and a baby? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was Cobra Kai. Cobra oh, Kai. Okay. Yeah, tight. Okay. <laughs> First of all, we can talk about cobras in this movie and my experience with cobras. I've actually seen cobras in real life at the Toledo Zoo, and they are scary as shit. And if you if if people could really train cobras, like that person, wow, like good for them because they are vicious and wild. But Cobra Kai, if you guys want to do a podcast, just the three of us talking about Cobra Kai. I've listened to an episode on someone's podcast about Cobra Kai. I forget who it was. But uh, I am I'm into that show. I've enjoyed it. I will say that on the record. I haven't watched it yet. I don't think it's as good as the first Karate Kid, as even collectively. But I am finding myself enjoying the series. I'm sorry. I think yeah. it's hard for me. <laughs> One of the things that's weird for me is whenever I see him, I always think of Ralph Macchio in uh, My Cousin Vinny. That's uh, honestly like <laughs> I know everyone has him in their mind as the Karate Kid. I know. And- and Pony Boy from fucking uh, the the Outsiders. I thought that was a uh... no. Never mind. That's the uh, no, not Pony Boy. Johnny. He, he played uh, was it? He played Soda Pop. He's one of those fucking Outsiders. He was, he was Johnny there. Cade. Whatever. I mean, oh, he's just Johnny. Anyway. Yeah. I was gonna say want... it's C. Thomas Howell's Pony Boy. I want to hear thoughts on uh, Cobra Kai. But I'm sorry, you were saying Jim. No, I, th- that's all I had to say. No, I love Cobra Kai. I think it's great. I, I've watched all three seasons. Season one is very good. It makes you feel like 
oh yeah like daniel's an asshole it makes you it makes this it, it makes you really think and go back and forth and it really dives into the gray area of people and characters like what makes them good what makes them get bad like and it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be one way or the other like a good person like daniel can be a shitty person and like a person who's a typically white trash dude like johnny does have good qualities and it dives into that stuff and it dives into the relationships and i find it very entertaining as a result season two goes off the fucking deep end <laughs> it's wild it's like it's literally like the wild card season i don't even like the first couple episodes they like stay on a track and then they just go off the rails uh and the third season i feel like was pretty solid overall it is it's a very well done show that does a very good job of tying in the past like what's been laid down but making something new like what star wars should have been instead of them coming out three three shitty things that fucking sucked like what the mandalorian is now like there i feel like a lot of writing tv shows is doing a very good job of that right like mandalorians are doing a job of like respecting the old but like creating something completely new cobra kai is doing the same thing we'll respect the old do something completely new putting bill burr in space <laughs> can we talk about oh fuck dude what is up with Bill Burr's – Bill Burr had the – like, people will talk about how 2020 was the worst year of their lives, as they should, because we had a shitty president, because 400,000 fucking people died, because the state of the social and political climate across the entire fucking world. Bill Burr had the 2020 of his life. This motherfucker peaked in 2020. <laughs> Bill Burr was always funny. He's always a very smart stand-up, but he became an actor – his stand-up became, like, world-renowned. Like, he fucking peaked. Like, what does it say about you as a person if you peaked in 2020? I don't know. I, I, one of my favorite things <laughs> about Bill Burr being in The Mandalorian was, there was a tweet I saw that was, like, the fact that Bill Burr is in The Mandalorian implies that there exists a space Boston. And I... <laughs> <laughs> so fucking true I, I love that but fucking I, I space mean, boston bill Burr is a guy he's just he's been doing it for like 20 plus years <laughs> he's just kind of caught around to it now uh it, it, the acting all started with um him in breaking bad i remember seeing him in breaking oh, bad yeah, being like, oh wow this guy can act yeah yeah no but like have you guys seen the king of staten island no He's he's great. He's great in that movie. Yeah, he's like, like a firefighter, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like a father figure for Pete, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to think of like the best thing you could say in space as a Boston person, but I'm, I'm failing. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be an improviser. I'm sure it has to do with Marky Mark or the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's actually probably very accurate. Uh, before we get too far away from it, I have to tell you, one of the funniest memes I, I – or one of my funniest moments in my life was when I found uh, a meme that said, uh, your genitals basically is the name of the last, show you, the last show you watched, and I was currently watching Cobra Kai. Yeah. <laughs> As nice a person time. named Kai with a penis. Do you sure. get the joke, Jim? It's because – do you get it, Jim? Yeah, yeah, I got it. No, 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 no. no. So here, here – Jim, Jim, no, no, right. So the Cobra – it's a snake, and a snake uh-huh. is, as, a, as an animal is a very phallic animal. It is long, uh, shaped like a penis, some might say. Yeah, 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 but Scott, 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 
What about the Kai part? Right, right. So here's the thing. So like, so when when Kai's parents, <laughs> um, here's the thing. When a man and a woman love each other very much. <laughs> just oh, we're going way back. <laughs> <laughs> I just immediately, I don't know why, but I went. When a man, a woman. <laughs> so I did. Right, as you should. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit that out, that, or like slow it down, like or bring it down. Yeah, the the listeners should not know that your parents had sex. Um, I guess my penis is community. Yeah. I thought that would be a thread that'd go somewhere, but... Oh, oh shit. I-, I lucked out on this one. My penis would be blown away. Season two. <laughs> <laughs> I like the season two part. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to season one? <laughs> it wasn't that great. No, actually, season... I'm a huge fan of the show. I could rave about that show, too. They were still trying to find their footing a bit, but... It... <laughs> the one thing I want to talk about also in this podcast, to your opinions, is the the French archaeologist, Bechdel, or... Not Bechdel. That's hilarious that I accidentally said that. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but the... the... Butt Stuff. I think it was Butt Stuff. It was yeah. Yeah. Okay, Kai. The other archaeologist, <laughs> Butt Stuff. Why does this dude have dresses in chests in his tent? For specifically Marion's size, too. <laughs> Because yeah. he didn't know Marion was like they didn't know they were gonna get he just has it. I just got this chest with dresses just in case. Like that dude to me is the most problematic person in this movie. Like even towards the end he's like, the girl was mine. Like it was very telling, I guess, of how like they should have been like, Oh yeah, this dude's a piece of shit. Yeah, no, I mean turns out people that treat pe- women as property are pieces of shit. Yeah, this And also it. sell their uh business to Nazis. Not great guys. I like how goofy they make the main Nazi. Like, I like how pathetic they make him. Because there's that one part where he, like, burns his hand and he goes outside. He He's, like, putting it in the snow. He's like, owie, owie, owie. Like, <laughs> the Home Alone moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's how they know how... <laughs> that's how they know how high the uh, the staff's supposed to be because he sh- uh, burns his hand on it. My favorite thing about the Nazis in this movie specifically are how old all the soldier- soldiers are. Apparently, Hitler sent all of his oldest men yeah. to be on this expedition. Because if you rewatch all the chase scenes, all of the digging scenes, like, in the city of Cairo, it's, like, young, like, what you would expect, like, soldiers to be. But as soon as you get to, like, all of the chase scenes and all the excavating, every single soldier is over 50 years old, minimum. They um, need it was, your C-Squad. It would have been set in the 30s, and sure. every man in the... Th- in the 30s was born 50 years old so they could have been 20 for all we know they life was hard (laughs) (laughs) so according to jim people that old like the life expectancy was so low back then that even then you aged so fast so wait jim did you think that like neanderthals who lived way back and only lived to be 40 like literally looked like fucking benjamin button when he was born at the age of 40 yeah, they didn't. They didn't have the. Uh, they didn't have the appropriate medicine and immunization, sure. so they aged extra fast. Got it. It's not the fact that they died looking somewhat young. It's the fact that they actually aged that fast. Like it just fast forwarded. Yes, we when we extend. Sure. If if we are gonna live to a thousand years old, when we're a uh, hundred years old at that point, we'll look like ten year olds. That's how science works, I think. No, it uh, is. This, this, this fact brought to you by Jim O'Donnell, everyone. Can I Google it really quick? 
Wait, why does it say Jim is the citation? <laughs> <laughs> Jim, did you just change that on Wikipedia while we've been recording? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, I just, right. I just wanted to ask you guys about this movie that, if you noticed. Because um, I did rewatch it. Like, I admittedly, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I wanted to be kind of fresh for this, so I rewatched it like last week. Did you notice how many scenes where they did close-ups that there were a ton of flies? So no. I found a fun fact about that. That scene where... Mr. Bad Guy uh, had a fly close to his mouth because I'm sure may, you guys when <laughs> it goes, when it, it goes like it, into it his mouth. Like Spielberg thought it would be funny if they cut out a, like a quick like clip and made it look like that. Because if you look, he just flawlessly continues as if he didn't just swallow a bug, and that's because he didn't like. But there are so many scenes leading up to that, like, and it might have been the island that they're on, but there are a whole bunch of other scenes in that movie where you can see there are. A ton of flies Not in fun. all the shots. It was very interesting to me. That, like, it must have sucked shooting that. Um. Oh my God. It. Something I was thinking about the whole time during the movie was they had to go to these places. Like, they couldn't just make it up in a studio because that would look weird. They actually went to. I'm sure they didn't go to Nepal because that's high up. I don't know. They definitely didn't go to Nepal. I agree. But... Yeah. They, but they had to go to like a jungle and be like, mm-hmm. all right, let's film here. And then everyone was miserable for a month. And then they went to Cairo and then everyone was miserable for a month. You know who I think had a lot of fun with this movie was actually the people doing like all the sound effects. Cause this movie was fucking ridiculous with that shit. Well, yeah, the sound effects were great for sure. My favorite wind, like, so, like not even the sound effects, but my favorite whimsical part I'm going to go back to the beginning of the movie because I told you I could talk two hours just about the beginning. <laughs> the When they approach, like when they're getting close to the temple, because I'm assuming it is a temple or it's a whatever, wherever they get the gold statue in the beginning, whatever that is, there's like the marker that they're close and it's just like a totem and the bats fly out. Nice. What is that? Like the guy just screams and runs away and bats fly out every time. Like, what? How do you cue that? How do you cue that anytime you walk past this totem, bats fly out? There's a shift. There's a sign-in shift. Sure. It's volunteer work. You hold the bats in a cage. Usually mm-hmm. most people read. I, you know, I don't know. I've never done that job. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you unleash the bats on the people that come up, I guess. I, I, would, I would imagine. I actually was also thinking of, I, I thought about that part specifically while I was watching it, because there's sometimes when you watch a movie that's older that you can see when things were supposed to scare audiences. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this isn't like, it's not like when you're watching like Frankenstein, you're like, oh my God, this must have been so scary, but now it's so tame. But that was a part where I was like, was this a jump scare? Like, mm-hmm. was was this a jump scare back in the day? Did I not, was, was I supposed to be scared at this point? But because now jump scares have evolved that I don't see it anymore? Mm, that's a, yeah, maybe. I'm excited to watch scary movies with you for this podcast because I didn't grow up watching scary movies because I I just I was too afraid. I just can't do it. Um, just won't do it. So I'm very excited to see. Like, Man, I feel like when you guys start, oh, my sorry. sensitivity is gonna. I just have no idea what my sensitivity is gonna be to these movies. I feel like when you guys start in scary movies, it's gonna be like you should start in August for things that are gonna have to be here through October, right? Because there's like a twenty yeah. Jason movies. There's like 20 
Nightmare on Elm Street movies. There's like ten Halloween movies. Hey, Jim, I love those. How are how is our uh, how do we select movies for our podcast? Oh God, Patreon.com. <laughs> yeah, we... with commitment. Let's hear it. Why, Kai? You can go to Patreon.com/slash/RottenTreasure. Give us. I think it's a dollar a month. Uh, let you. We'll let you vote for the next movie in our uh, next movie series that you can watch. So just, and bonus content. Yeah, just being part of our skeleton crew, we just give away because uh, we named it that. Yeah, we'll we'll give you. We right now we have two. It's base. It's just Jack and Katie McDermott. Thank you, Jack and Katie McDermott, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who vote who who get like get to vote like selected choices from Jim and I's favorites, and ultimately we we give it to them to decide. I guess what I should say right now is for the listeners. I know Jack and Katie McDermott, and you have to subscribe immediately to their Patreon because the journey they're going to take you on <laughs> is not something you're going to want to hear. <laughs> better subscribe immediately. It's a dollar. It's just a dollar. Only a, a month. dollar. It's a hundred fucking pennies. Give us the dollar just when we're doing voting. I don't care. I don't care. Like, <laughs> please save us from. Jack, Jack McDermott is a fucking monster. Listen to me right now. <laughs> he lives at 1724 Pennypack Way. Is that a real address? Because someone will go there, and Jack no, live there. But no, I just made that up. All right, good. Uh, and Jack's not a monster. He's a sweet, sweet boy. Oh, I know. Uh, He's the kindest man. Been on the podcast. I've met Katie in passing, but she's always been super supportive and super sweet. Yeah, she's um, fantastic. That said, I mean, they're very sweet people, but their movie tastes are trash. Not another. If you subscribe to this Patreon for just a dollar a month. Yeah. We're not going to watch Blues Brothers 2000 every month, Jack. Stop it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, it's not even on our list. There's only two of them. The minimum is three movies. Yeah, to motivate you folks to get on it, we're just promoting our Patreon for the next five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to, this is now a marathon yeah. for this podcast. Right. I'm no. in it. To make it clear, folks, J- uh, Jack stated that uh, Tremors 3 was his favorite. So if that gives you any idea about where he's headed with his choices. Sure. Uh, well, he's already, should, should we already just give away what the next series is after that? Because we've. It's Rocky. Had, Rocky's coming up after this. Doing, hey everybody, there's gonna be two months of Rocky. <laughs> but also, I love Rocky, Rocky though. No, Rocky's the whole fucking thing amazing. Yeah, I I all love. I've only seen six of them. I haven't actually seen the Creed movies yet, but I I love all six movies. They're so funny. First one, legitimately great movie. One of my favorite. Ten out of ten, honestly. And then two and three are great too. Four is one big montage. Five is a little weird. Six is also great. Is is that's what's okay? Will that happen with this series? Because y'all have seen the rest of Indiana Jones. I've only seen the first one. Am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna enjoy this journey? What's gonna happen to me? With Indiana Jones? Yeah. One, two, three are amazing. Like two, two, two takes you on like more of a little whimsical journey, kind of like Cobra Kai season two. Like. <laughs> There it, it, it is a little problematic in some parts, like it doesn't hold the test of time. But there are very classic parts that like are amazing about um, the second one, and I don't want to spoil it for you at all. But like, I love Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is great, but three is three is so iconic, uh, and four is just such a heaping pile of shit that it's not even 
it's just disappointing and sad. Like, like what Lucas did to the first three Star Wars prequels, uh, they managed to do in the fourth Indiana Jones movie all in one. Oof. Well, that's how I feel about it. Anyway. Would you have enjoyed it more if they replaced Shia LaBeouf with, say, Michael Sarah? Here's the thing: I don't hate Shia. Like, Shia's gotten a lot of hate over the years, and he's problematic. And what we've just found out most recently about his most recent partner sucks. But I did have this soft spot during quarantine where I was on the Shia train 100%, like, and his little comeback. Like, Peanut Butter Falcon was a great movie that he did last year. His uh, autobiography film that he did about his dad and him as a kid was very, it was a very oh. good movie. And even his Hot Ones episode, all solid. Like, and what he was trying to do with actors in LA, like, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but like, he was. Essentially, he had opened, like, a small theater where he was doing, like, acting lessons or acting teaching with some other people in a very small community-style vibe um, in a very positive setting. It was all, like, really cool shit that he was doing. Like, obviously, he has problems, and obviously, unfortunately, like, he's had some very terrible shit that's come out, so that sucks. But, like, leading up to that, I was kind of, like, I felt bad for him, right? Like... He just rode the money train and then dealt with addiction like a lot of people do. And right. then that transform that transformers money, it'll fuck you up. Right. I uh this is kind of embarrassing, but I'll admit it. I want to apologize to I'm gonna Jim, can you give me a name? What? Can you give me a name? That's someone I need to apologize to. Hillary Swank. All right, I need to apologize we to my old uh I used to date this person, uh Hillary Swank. Uh, a while back when I was in college. So back when I was dating Hillary, um, they lived uh, back in uh, whatever, far away, blah, blah, blah. We had a long distance thing going on and I knew I was going to break it off. But in the near upcoming situation, their roommate was Shia LaBeouf's cousin. So I knew that Shia was having a Christmas party that uh, they were going to go to. And I was like, do I stay with this person? So I can go to Shia LaBeouf's Christmas party. And did you? No, I'm no. lame. I was nice. I did the thing that I thought was reasonable, which is to end it and be like, you know, I mean, it was a couple weeks. I don't think I had it in me to, to really just, I don't know. At me if you're mad at me, listeners. Would you have done it? Would you just completely lie to somebody just so you can meet the Shia LaBeouf, the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, listeners, go to our Patreon and <laughs> throw us a couple bucks, and then we'll listen to your answers or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how Patreon works. For every person that subscribes to the Patreon after this episode, Jack McDermott is gonna triple your donation <laughs> next month. I'm not gonna like that. Jack listens to the podcast. He's gonna be so mad. No, he's a man. He's gonna be great. He's supporting his friends. If you support five dollars, Jack's putting in fifteen. If you support $1, Jack's going to put in 3 So let's hit them hard. Jack is here for you guys. Jack. And uh, thanks, Jack. Yeah. We, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much, Jack. <laughs> I love Really that. great man. Great man. One of my favorite. Uh, we, we made an episode for essentially Jack and Katie. It's four of the Patreons. And just the whole time we were like, well, this is just for Jack and Katie. So we're literally just talking to Jack and Katie. <laughs> right oh, we have these episodes they're recaps of this franchise that we do uh the rotten recaps they're only available on our patreon um i feel like such a show right now let's not do this <laughs> <laughs> we, we can move on but I, I think like doing rocky is great 
I think you'll get dangerous going into horror series because they can be kind of long. But you know what I'd be here for? If you guys just do a run on Muppet movies. We, we've been talking about it. Oh, oh, folks. If Become a Patreon fan. God, i got to stop doing it. Somebody make us do Muppets. That's you what were, I'm saying. We, we actually thought about for the next voting thing we were going to do was just make all four of the choices Muppets and just force <laughs> them <laughs> and like, like one of our mutual friends posted on Facebook this week, like, uh, what's some what's a really campy 80s movie heist movie that has like great blah blah, blah whatever yeah. and I posted like it's a great Muppet caper honestly it's a great heist movie it's it stands up the great Muppet caper is an amazing movie I've seen like three Muppet movies so I'm so stoked to go through it apparently I'm Fozzie Bear uh that's a fact about me I now know so I'm very excited to find out why really a little bit more uh, no, I know why. It's obvious. Sorry, Jim. No, this is your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was the one who named you Fozzie Bear. Yeah, it's and appropriate. I called myself Electric Teeth and, or Dr. May. No, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. There you go. Who yeah. are your favorite Muppets and/or Sesame Street characters? Oh, God, this could go on. I I was always always a big fan of Statler and Waldorf. Mm. Ever since I was a little kid, I Hard loved sense. them. There was a uh, so my parents, when I was like seven, we were gonna go to uh, Disney World, uh, and in order to get us hype about this, my mom bought a VHS tape uh, that was an advertisement for Disney World that was like 20 minutes long, and there's a part where they show the Muppet ride, and there's a part where they go, "We surrender." I watched literally that part <laughs> over and over and over because I thought it was so funny. I love the shit we obsess about as a kid. Yeah, that's so good. It was great. They also bought me a Disneyland sing-along, and it was very scary when they did the Haunted Mansion part. I want to hear Kai's favorite Muppet, but a quick Philly improv segue. Mm -hmm. Jim, did you ever get to see the Stellar and Waldorf improv show? Oh, I saw – yeah, yeah. I saw the first uh, Black Friday I went to, which was 2018. Oh, incredible i it's the, one of the, it's one of the favorite improv shows i've i came in not too late like i was on the third second or third one ever and then when i was i think i've been in every single one since but to me it's one of my favorite improv bit shows to do hands down and it's it basically did you ask what it is kai yeah i i well i asked who's in it is it is it more than just one person that's doing this no 100 percent. so the it started off the very first rendition of it it was tom hannigan and rob deliciani a seller and waldorf yeah and then yep. a group of people improvising where basically they have hot mics uh that the crowd can hear yes. while people do scenes on stage they're sitting in the audience uh commentating what's happening on stage. perfect perfect and it's basically just calling out all the bullshit and improv and like it's amazing uh i'm so into that i think that's great that's the, where I saw – oh, I, I, I'm blanking on their name right now, but uh, someone was in that show, and she was so funny because she was the only one that would go out, and they just made fun of everyone else because she was the only one going out. Oh, it was uh, probably Sarah. It was Sarah. It was yeah. Sarah. Which Sarah? Sarah, <laughs> um, Sarah Clemency. Uh, oh, I Sarah love Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. She's the best. She's a queen. My unicorn. Um, she is amazing at – screwing up in a scene like when something goes wrong she's always so funny when it goes wrong oh 100 sarah sarah's hands down 
not only like she's the one of the best people in my life and like uh in general but she's one of the best improvisers in philly hands down and i'm oh, so yeah. privileged and glad that like on two of my house teams at philly improv theater me and sarah have been side by side for most of that and i've gotten to be with her and she's made me look good for so long like, she's a fucking amazing but it's another world if she fucking shines because yeah like sarah's not afraid to fucking get into it and just look bad and lose because that's where the humor is and that's what's funny yeah. and she just fucking owns it it's great but uh yeah so Sally Warner sort of Tom and Tom and Rob it evolved a little bit because one year at DCM which is the close marathon that used to be in New York which is the big UCB improv thing Rob A got way too tired and he slept in and he missed the show so Sam Abrams Samantha yeah. Abrams filled in for Rob as Sally Warner and so she picked up the torch. Oh, I can see her she, killing it. Yeah. Oh, she was at the one that I saw. She's a fucking 10. Yeah, Jamie Rims is when she does. Oh, man. Her snarkiness being southern or whatever is amazing. Anyways, if you're in Philly, you ever see them do that show. Like, I feel like when I move to Chicago, I will fly back specifically just to do that bit. Because it's my favorite bit. To do. Like, it's so good. Because just like, like usually I'm in it, like, in the, the improv part getting beat up on. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Oh, it's another one for great. Sorry to segue into improv, but like. No, no, I love talking about. Uh, honestly, any opportunity to really give some straight up Philadelphia improv love, I'm on board with on this podcast because there's not enough recognition and love for some of the amazing talent that is in this city. Right, and no, and I'll say that about like DCM, right? So like DCM is a very huge. It's the biggest world known improv festival in the world. I have wow. performed at it several times. Uh, I've gotten to perform on Chelsea, which is used to be UCB's main stage. Uh, I'm on my teams there. Like it's iconic. It's an iconic improv festival. I fucking love it. And they moved to LA, and I'm very. I have feelings about that. I could talk to, for two hours just about that. <laughs> but when it was back in New York, and Beckham was cool and underground or whatever. Um, I was talking about Sound World Earth. I got sidetracked. Oh yeah, Sound World Earth. People in New York. We were when we did it. It was at five. It was at three in the morning at the Beast, which is in when the Beast was open. It's in the lower. Uh, east side of New York. It's in the East Village. It's a great, it was a great theater. It no longer exists. Uh, that used to be, had to give it up. And it was just dead. Every, people were sleeping. It was fucking whatever. We go on stage to Southern Waldorf and every, it, it, it's fucking, it smashed, right? Like, it's yeah. such a good bit show. Like, people ate it up because, like, people love making fun of improv and, yeah. like, People improv. fucking love Muppet Energy. The only the and only people, people who the only people who watch improv are other improvisers, and they love to trash improv. It's so perfect because honestly, whenever I think about my improv friends, we're a bunch of fucking Muppets. That's what we are. We're, like we put on a good show. I most of the people I know, like whatever. I'm lucky to be surrounded by people that I think are really talented. But yeah, honestly, yeah, it's. Because they're lighthearted, uh, they need each other often. Like I don't know, it's beautiful. I fucking love it. They depend on each other really well. The, like I am so st stoked to get into the Muppets more because of how much it's very clear that like they all those characters play off each other so fucking well. Um, to answer your question, I wasn't a Muppets kid growing up, but I was a Sesame Street kid, and I was. Jim and I have talked about this. We we agree. At least I I don't know if it's your favorite, but I was a Cookie Monster kid through and throughout. Um, through and through, through and through. Yeah, you got it. it yeah, no words. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's probably because I, it parallels very well. 
I want it, and I want it now. I was that kid. I, candy? Yes. Now. Movie? Yes. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Kai want cookie. Oh, and I ate him, and I got him. The actor who plays Cookie Monster, honestly, the actor who plays any Muppet mm-hmm. is phenomenal. They're all great. Yeah, but no, the actor, I actually, I, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, the actor who played Cookie Monster is phenomenal. If you've ever seen uh, the outtakes of John Oliver and Cookie Monster on YouTube, must watch a YouTube video. It's so great. Right, because uh, they're, they're improvisers. They're just improvisers using their hands. <laughs> yeah. Much. I didn't realize that they were all separate people until uh, I could... I started doing, like, I do a lot of voices, and I figured out, like, oh, wait, this is the same person. Like, the same person that does, see, this for cookie. It's the same person that does, Adama! Oh, yeah. You hear it. Once you hear it, you hear it. Is it Frank Oz? Oh. Oh. Like, I think the like, the, well, the Elmo, they got into a lot of troubles with different Elmo, but, like, all those guys, like, Animal, Cookie Monster. Oh, sorry. I did into Elmo. That is the same person. Elmo is different. I meant yeah. to say Cookie Monster... Animal and Grover mm. are the same person. Okay, but... yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to do a one, like, I'm, I'm not a writer. It, that scares the shit out of me, and I could never do it. Like, I could make up a character and rip for 20 minutes on stage as an improviser all day, and I'm, I feel I'm pretty decent at it. Yeah. But as a writer, that to sit down and write 20 minutes terrifies the shit out of me like it's i'm such a perfectionist i couldn't do it whatever but if i was ever going to do a one person show i always wanted to do grover teaching <laughs> the birds and the bees yes to adults right <laughs> and like it would yeah. just be these awkward graphs with like grover doing things like you know YouTube exists, right? You know you can make this a thing. Sure. Please do this for us. No, they're owned by Disney. Scott will be taken down. <laughs> if you could replace any <laughs> character in this movie with a Muppet, and I know this bit has been going around like Facebook and no, just... and it's on our podcast. We talked about I, it. We did about. this a couple months ago with Home Alone. <laughs> oh my bad. I wish we did it with every series. Yeah. It, no, it, that's fine. It, no one's stopping you from doing that. This is your show. Yeah, yeah it's very true. We know that. We do stupid shit that we want all the time on this podcast. Um, um, This is really hard for me. I'm trying to think. Wasn't the joke that we made for Home Alone that it was everyone was replaced you know with what? Muppets except for Macaulay Culkin? I got it. The guy that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I want the sword guy that gets shot to be a Muppet just because it's such a fun cameo. Oh, and sure. I think it would be really great if, like... Freedoms. Um, like a frantic Muppet... I don't know who's the most frantic Muppet. Like Gonzo, right? Oh, right. yeah, Gonzo. Oh, okay. Gonzo comes fumbling, dropping the sword and doing a terrible job. Uh, and then just is like, yeah, and then just gets shot. Perfect. That's a great cameo. I want or, that. Or Beaker, I guess. Yeah, Beaker would work out well for that too. I mean, I feel like Marion being replaced by Miss Piggy would be. <laughs> I would love to see. Miss Piggy just putting down 20 shots <laughs> of Nepal I, grain alcohol. Something that's funny to me about that is the idea of because she's made of felt, just sure, <laughs> the, the just it getting absorbed into her felt. <laughs> like her just splashing <laughs> off to the side, yeah. If I'm Marion and my dad dies, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm in the Himalayas. Why do I stay? I have no idea. Oh, oh God, I have no idea. She yeah. likes all those people who go to Mount Everest and <laughs> at that point die. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, and I guess when you where you put roots, like that, it's all you know, kind of thing. It probably is kind of expensive to leave. But man, it's just hard for me to think about. Like, if my dad died, well, that'd be sweet if it was me. But like, if my character and I'm marrying, dad dies, and I'm just stuck. Like, I felt like he brought me to Nepal as a teenager to get away from this, so he could chase whatever. And they never go to what he's chasing. Uh, yeah, why would you stay? I, they never really do go into it. They just kind of are just like, yeah. She's here. She's stuck here. It's kind of. I always assumed it was like a. Uh, 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 what's his name? George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, where he's just kind of stuck. He's always wanted to do other stuff, but he's just stuck there. I don't know. I always assumed that's what. She, and she was just like, oh, I guess I'm here, and momentum has kept me going. Not sure. So we are talking about the film. And I think we should <laughs> because it's about time to do final like uh final notes or any sure. any lost notes because or what are we oh, calling yeah. this lost notes oh, i always say um leftover notes i think leftover notes yeah um is there a a stone you would like to leave not unturned with indiana jones no i think we covered most of the stuff you know the poisonous the only thing we need to talk about like is how did that guy know that the poison was only fresh three days what do you mean? Oh, when he, when he licks the... Yeah. yeah, in the very beginning of the movie, that's the first note I took, was the guy, they go, like, Indiana Jones goes up to, like, this, this blow dart, and it's like, uh, and he licks it, and he keeps moving, and the next guy comes up, like, the first guy that dies, or runs away super fast, and he licks, and he goes, the poison, it's fresh. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, who knows that? I think he probably read the, uh, like the, like, he, like the script, like the notes, like, <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, like three days, like it's in the note, just like act like it's three days. And he, yeah, he we just, know how the actor knew it was three days. <laughs> but no, that was the, uh, I think I got all the stuff that I wanted to talk about. I think it was like, uh, I think it's like bread, uh, bags, how they have the different colored, uh, bag ties for what day of the week it is. He, uh, he just looked at the little thing. It's a red one. This was made on Tuesday. That was three days ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of days, one of the things that made me laugh was there's one where he's when he's OK. So when he's a professor, basically all it's like a it's like a Superman Clark Kent situation where he's just like such a double threat. Right. So Harrison ah, Ford, the leather jacket, sexiness, and then also be like, I'm a professor. I look like Rick Moranis now. And. Now he's smart. Um, I don't know how to spell Neolithic. There are ho- there are so many things. I w- like, we could have just talked about this for two hours, right? There's so many things about him being a professor. Like, let's un- we could unpack. He went on this trip. He was literally, they've been, trapping, they've been tracking him for weeks in the jungle. Was he supposed to be teaching that entire time? And then he comes back, and he's only there for two days, and then he leaves again for how long? Like, when in the semester was this? It was just a long weekend he was on? Probably doing Zoom meetings, if I had to guess. Or he's just, uh, like, watch a video. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how college works. Yeah, just watch RoboCop again. 
No, but I love that in order to make him look nerdy, they're like, I don't know, just have a bunch of rolled up papers that you have scattered and not collected at all. Uh, okay. You're a professor now. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked right now that your leftover note is that and not the fact that that girl wrote love you on her eyelids. Oh, hit on that was Indiana Jones. Yeah, this was student writes love you and blinks to specifically show that to her teacher. That's creepy. Yeah, no. Did you know that in the the novelization of the that of that movie the reason why you see indiana jones in his robe immediately after is because he sleeps with that girl yes of course he does right of course he does i don't like it i don't like it uh he does say i will be in my office on thursday but not on wednesday and i don't know why but i really wanted him to just be like yeah wednesday i have a treasure hunt i'm really busy i can't <laughs> i gotta do my treasure hunt on wednesday and then book club on Friday. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> I got a plan. Did either of you look up what school he was supposed to teach at? Was it UCLA? No idea. Oh, I have no idea. I mean, it was a beautiful building. I'm just curious because, like, when he's meeting with the FBI uh, or the CIA or whatever that the or government organization they're in, that, that hall they're in is a very beautiful building. And I'm just curious. It's, uh, it's Marshall College. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Although I think they said he's supposed to be teaching in Chicago. No, he went to school. He went to he went to college in Chicago. So the story is Indiana Jones went to college in Chicago and he learned under Marion's father there. But when he's teaching, when the map starts, they start in California and then it goes to Tibet. So that's why I thought that maybe he taught in L.A. or in California. OK, that makes sense. I, I mean, they just were like, and he's in college now, so it's not really a... Yeah, but no, the amount of women in the archaeology class, not that they shouldn't be, but like they went out of their way to make it very clear that women were just taking his class because he was such a dreamy professor. Yeah. Well, I mean, they want to lean into the fact that Harrison Ford is dreamy as fuck in general, and like especially at this time. So why wouldn't you want to capitalize that on that as much as you can even within the movie like it's right. you know, like and also that's my favorite campy thing that they leaned into and like you guys can't see it because like uh me jimmy and kai can see each other but my favorite thing about the movie in that scene is is that apparently george lucas and steven spielberg and the third guy the third old white guy they wrote the movie with is they all felt that they all felt that women in their 30s all looked at men lovingly by leaning on their hands Yep. And if you look, if you rewatch that scene, every single woman is leaning on her hand in some way <laughs> during that scene, which is just so, I don't know, it's just very weird. I think it's just like a classic movie thing where when you see that, you go, okay, they like him. Like, it doesn't have to be realistic. It's just like, okay, I, un I now understand that's the quickest way to tell someone that uh, a woman likes a man. When, sure. when I instantaneously fall in love with people, because it happens all the time. You know, because that's normal. Mm -hmm. uh, I just get sleepy. So I just tend to kind of, I just tend to, as I like, you know, look longingly into their existence, just slowly slither away into nappy time. Keep talking. Mark. Did that girl <laughs> I love you on her eyes? Or did she get someone else to do it? Because it's perfectly written. And she would have had to write that backwards. In oh, the my God. Can you imagine? Yeah, the skill it would take to write that. She had to get someone else to do that. They're she had to get her Their tattoos. She committed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't have anything else, Jim. Is there a thing? Uh, do you have I, a feeling? 
I had a couple, like, I wrote, skeletons are silly. Uh, I like the cars are all Mercedes. But the thing that I wanted to uh, say was, oh, God. Oh, they don't explain how Marion doesn't die. They do, like, the Chewbacca in the last Star Wars movie thing where they're like. Oh, I think you meant to say they Chewbacca does the Marion thing in the Raiders of the Stark. That's Ooh. true. But they do, uh, they do that, and it's just like. Oh, she didn't die, and they 100% 80 yard in uh, Indy's line where he, he's like, "Oh, you must have been in a different basket because he's facing away from her. He's facing away from the camera. He's just covering up." They were like, "Oh shit, we forgot to explain why she's not dead from that gigantic explosion where we know we saw her go into it." Well, I heard this was low budget, so I mean, like honestly, there's probably many decisions they made like that to just be like, "Fuck it, we're not reshooting that, or we're not doing anything different about it." That works. But my favorite part about that was Sala is like how and how much well I, not that I love I, I don't love this about that movie but like how much they just don't give a shit about Marion as a character is like they just gloss over her and Sala's just like I'm very sorry we have to move on like anytime Marion is dead she's like oh well she died like there's no stakes in Marion dying like no one cares and to me that's like ugh just sucks. It's all in Tremors. It's the same problem. You get no arc. You get no character. You are the lost arc. Your your character arc is... Sorry, I'll stop. She, like, <laughs> they had a great character on their hands. She stood on her own. She had her own reasons. And then when she quote-unquote dies, then they were just like, oh, shit, we don't know what to do with this girl. I don't know. Indy, we just make her a, a damsel in distress for the rest of the movie. Who cares? Yeah. Not great. Yeah. But first half of the movie, I was like, I was like, man, I forgot that Marion is so great. Like, she she has that quirky thing where she drinks a bunch. Uh, she has the pendant, and uh, she also has knowledge of the pendant, which is why they keep like capturing her because she does have knowledge. Right. And then eventually, it's just like, well, and now then now Indy just she's just there yeah. to be saved by Indy. It was very clear from the energy when they first met. She's like, I don't need you, and I would have loved that energy for the remainder of the film. A hundred percent. And, like, just her charisma in general. Like, her presence is so, I don't know, watchable. It's great. She has great energy. She holds her own in that film, like, tremendously. And then also, she did watch Nazis melt. Not that I... <laughs> we made it through a whole episode about Indiana Jones not talking about melting Nazis. That melting scene was fucking nuts. I am so... I was... I got mad. I was like, there's fucking ghosts. I was like, this. I watched a regular movie and then was standing on my couch being like, this is the most ridiculous fucking ending to any movie. Once again, well, first time ever watching this. That's that's kind of what Indiana Jones movies are, is they're just normal movies. And then at the end, they have, usually it's a religious thing. I know in the last movie it's, well, I won't say it because I know what it is. But anyway, uh, usually it's a religious thing. In the first and third one, it's God in the or Christian. In the second one, it's something else. Yeah, but has... usually they end with like, oh, and by the way, a mystical force comes in and yeah. uh, shoots an almost literal Deus Ex Machina. Wait, and shoots like lightning bolts and spears everybody and melts their faces. I guess oh, is that what God. it is. Yeah. Shit's mm -hmm. fucking. They did mention it earlier in the movie though when they're pointing at the book and he's like, "What's that?" And they go, "Lightning or the power of God or something." I don't know. Yeah, it's a oh it's a goodness. definitely a turn. It was a quite the explosive ending, uh, for sure. I also just because I'm gonna cheat and do like a one more leftover note is that apparently it was Indiana Smith, and then 
That's a stupid uh, it was fought to be Indiana Jones, just just almost as generic, but not Indiana Smith. It sounds so much better. Like Indiana Jones sounds good. Mm. Yeah. It was supposed to be Indiana. I don't know if it was that was supposed to be this title when it was Indiana Smith, but when it was Indiana Jones, I believe it was also supposed to be and the law. Uh, oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the Temple of Doom is supposed to be the Temple of Death. That's what I found out. That's all right. What if it's like Indiana Wonderhovich? I'll save it for now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the fuck they got the title for this fucking movie. I think they were just going with a normal name because he's very much based off of James Bond in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I actually, I know the, it's named after his dog, Indiana. Well, that's the, yeah. that's the, spoiler alert, third movie. movie mm-hmm. <laughs> the very, very end of the movie where he goes, why do you call him Junior? Oh, because, Junior. because his name is Henry. Hmm. I, I, he named himself after the dog. <laughs> it, 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 he's based off J, uh, James Bond, which James Bond is supposed to be the most normal name ever. Right. Nah, I mean, that's good. I mean, uh, it's, it worked. It's clever. It's fine. It's Also. It couldn't be anything else. Also why they have James Bond be his father. There's a, there's a little thing for you, Kai. Wait a minute. What? Sean Connery is his dad in the third movie. Way to ruin it, man! I haven't it's even. It's not the. It's not like the spoiler. They open Dude. with James Bond being his He's dad. He's literally on the cover of the movie. You know, Daddy <laughs> Issues is my favorite fucking thing in any series. Now you're ruining it for me. We alluded to it. It's fine. fine. It's, it's fine. I didn't say the twist, or even what they're looking for. That's all right. Another sexy man in the movie. I'm okay with it. I'm on board. Another note we didn't get into, and it'll be very quick for me. Is go for it. Uh, your background, Kai, right now, I fucking love that scene. The map room scene with the staff, it's so fucking cool. It's I'm, I know I'm super fucking nerdy, but man, to me, that shit is chef's kiss. So fucking good. I adore it. I know for a fact it it's not realistic. Who cares? It's amazing. Right, the time of the day, the time of the year, it's not possible. But uh, for those who are listening... Uh, Kai's background right now is Indiana Jones, who's holding the staff, who gets the right amount of size from the back of the medallion that Marion has with the staff head on it, and it's the light going into the where the arc is located. That scene, just like the cinematography, like the setting, all of it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's fucking white. white. I don't care how fast the sun is moving. Right. <laughs> I don't care how fast the sun is moving. I don't care how realistic that's where the sun was at this time of day on this specific day, which is fucking literally impossible. Right. Uh, it's phenomenal. Yep, it's yep. just... It just fucking works. Indiana Jones is a movie with an insane amount of flaws, but it just all works. I, I'm i pumped. We've watched our first good movie uh, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we did it! We did it! <laughs> Uh, I'm shitting on Home Alone, whatever. But I mean, like, just we don't rate them like realistic, or we're not really gonna care about the rating system on this podcast for long. We rate but, them within the series. Yeah, That's this it. is this is by far my the most the it's the thing that I've enjoyed watching the most. Sure. I can't wait for you to see the third one. I'm excited. Uh, all right. So once again, thank you, Scott, for for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you hanging out. out with us. Course. Uh, I do want to ask you: Do you have anything to promote? I 
don't really because i'm not really into performing right now it's just not my scene with all the quarantine uh i just haven't been inspired i guess what i would say to promote or push is like for those of you who are listening who are in the philly area or even around your sub whatever area you're from is when shit does come back support your local scene right like yeah. go to those local shows it's going to be special it's going to be awesome and uh yeah, like there's a lot of cool local shit in your area that's not necessarily affiliated with the theater, and it's worth checking that shit out because the people that are doing it care about what the fuck they're doing and love it, and that's some of the best shit to watch. So um, I encourage you to support those things when things come back. And then, yeah, if any of you – I'm moving to Chicago in two months. All of you are welcome to visit. Anyone listening to this podcast can come to my house. To um, <laughs> What's your address? Yeah, well, not, I, haven't, I haven't found it yet, but when I do, I'll I'll post it on the Patreon page. And for twenty dollars, you have a place to stay in Chicago <laughs> if you just subscribe for the ten dollar plan a month. <laughs> so Jack McDermott um, will match you when you so like listen when you pay fifty dollars to come stay with me in Chicago. Jack's going to put up $150 a month to support this podcast, <laughs> and it'll be worth it. Oh, yes. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you. I Yeah, we're, I'm going to get a bus, and we're all going to come see you in Chicago. I'm still – I'm sad that I, I don't get to perform improv with you in real life before you go. Uh, but I'm sure I will – Hey, no, listen. I'm going to be back, right? Like, I love to travel. I'm – I have a lot of friends here. I, Philly has changed my life. F- Philly brought improv into my life. It basically taught me who I want to be in the next chapter of what I'm doing. And Philly drove why I'm moving, right? Like, I have outgrown Philly in terms of improv. Not that the Philly scene's bad, but, like, what I need in my life regards to where I'm at is just something bigger and a little something more. And uh, I attribute all of that to Philly, and Philly's fucking great. And I'll be back here a lot. I'll be back here to do shows. Um, Kai will have that moment. We'll have that magic scene. I have faith in that. And uh, if I see yeah. you on the street in Philadelphia, I'm just gonna come do improv with you right away. I mean, yeah. I usually just am down to do a bit constantly, anyways. Sure. <laughs> but no, I'm totally down, and like, I totally hope that uh, I get to do something with both of you. Like, I've, I've yeah, yeah. I see you both for a lot. I'm really glad you guys are doing this podcast. I'm glad you have me on. I really hope that everyone puts at least $100 into this Patreon every month. And... <laughs> Jack McDermott's bank. Right. Yeah, if you just put $100 in, Jack McDermott's going to put in $300. So, each and every one of you, 300 right. for each person. Right, so if like, five of you put 100 bucks in, Jack McDermott's putting in $1,500 a month. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That's two snorts I got tonight. One from each of you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we count treasures, and we should be counting Jim Snorts on this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Scott. Um, so next week, we'll be back with another, uh, well, another scary motherfucker. Uh, Joe Gates is going to be joining us to discuss Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, so please do come back. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Jim, is there anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay, what? well, thanks again. Be well, and take care of yourself. Be safe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I love you. Jack, I love you so fucking oh much. Oh, my God, Jack. Jack, Jack. Jeremiah, I'm talking to you. 
I hope that if the podcast is over, I want you to know, Jack McDermott, I meant everything I said. Call me. I fucking love you. Do not tell me, <laughs> McDermott, how much I love you right now. Are you, are you saying that you love Jack? Were you saying, hold on, I just want to whisper this. Were you saying that you love Jack, or were you saying that you love everyone? Okay, I'm, I'm saying I love everyone, but the truth is just Jack. Right. Jack, if you're listening, I fucking love you so fucking much. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd go to Nepal and go to <laughs> drink to drink with a 27-year-old woman for 18 shots to prove my love to you. You know when you're hovering over your phone like to try to end the thing you're listening to? <laughs> People are pissed right now. On their... <laughs> like, the podcast. They said thank you. Why is there still five minutes left? <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Rotten Treasure. And on Instagram at Rotten underscore Treasure. And on Twitter at Rotten Treasure. And go to Patreon.com slash Rotten Treasure for bonus episodes, early episode release, and a vote for the next series. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and review us on any of your available podcast apps. Thank you. Bye-bye. Perfect.